0: Welcome to this episode of Mentors at Your Benchside, the podcast giving you advice, tips and tools for getting the most out of your research. I'm Laura Grassi and today I'll be talking to you about how alkaline lysis works. Alkaline lysis was first described in 1979 and has, with a few modifications, been the preferred method for plasmid DNA extraction from bacteria ever since. The easiest way to describe how alkaline lysis works is to go through the procedure and explain each step. So here goes. Step one cell growth and harvesting. You start with the growth of the bacterial cell culture harbouring your plasmid. When sufficient growth has been achieved, the cells are pelleted by centrifugation to remove them from the growth medium. Step two resuspension. The pellet is then resuspended in the solution, normally called solution one or similar in the kits, containing tris, EDTA, glucose, and RNAs A. Divalent cations, magnesium 2+, and calcium 2+, are essential for DNA's activity and the integrity of bacterial cell wall. EDTA chelates divalent cations in the solution, preventing DNAs from damaging the plasmid and also helps by destabilizing the cell wall. Glucose maintains the osmotic pressure so the cells don't burst and RNAs A is included to degrade cellular RNA when the cells are lysed. Step 3. Alkaline lysis. The lysis buffer, a.k.a. solution 2, contains sodium hydroxide and the detergent sodium dodecyl sulfate. SDS solubilizes the cell membrane, while sodium hydroxide helps to break down the cell wall. But more importantly, it disrupts the hydrogen bonding between the DNA bases, converting the double-stranded DNA in the cell, including the genomic DNA and your plasmid, to single-stranded DNA. The process is called denaturation and is a central part of the procedure, which is why it is called alkaline lysis. STS also denatures most of the proteins in the cells, which helps with the separation of the proteins from the plasmid later in the process. It is important during this step to make sure that the resuspension and lysis buffers are well mixed, although not too vigorously. We'll explain why later. Check out the related article on 5 Tips on Vector Preparation for Gene Cloning for more information and tips. Also, remember that STS and sodium hydroxide are pretty nasty, so it's advisable to wear gloves and eye protection when performing alkaline lysis. Step 4. Neutralisation. The addition of potassium acetate, normally solution 3, decreases the alkalinity of the mixture. Under these conditions, the hydrogen bonding between the bases of the single-stranded DNA can be re-established so that the single strand DNA can re-nature the double-stranded. This is the selective part. While it is easy for the small circular plasmid DNA to re-nature, it is impossible to properly anneal those huge genomic DNA stretches. This is why it's important to be gentle during the lysis step, because vigorous mixing or vortexing will shear the genomic DNA, producing shorter stretches that can re-anneal and contaminate your plasmid prep. While the double-stranded plasmid can dissolve easily in solution, the single-stranded genomic DNA, the SDS, and the denatured cellular protein stick together through hydrophobic interactions to form a white precipitate. The precipitate can easily be separated from the plasmid DNA solution by centrifugation. Step 5. Cleaning and concentration. Now, your plasmid DNA has been separated from the majority of the cell debris. But it is in a solution containing lots of salt to EDTA RNAs and residual cellular proteins and debris. So it's not much use for downstream applications. The next step is to clean up the solution and concentrate the plasmid DNA. There are several ways to do this, including phenyl chloroform extraction, followed by ethanol precipitation and affinity chromatography based methods using a support that preferentially binds to the plasmid DNA under certain conditions of salt or pH, but releases it under others. The most common methods are detailed in the article, Five Ways to Clean Up a DNA Sample. So that's it for how alkaline lysis works. Check out the episode description for links to related articles and resources. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to get more help and advice from mentors at your bench side.
1: Flowstars is back with Season 4. The podcast from Bettman Coulter and Bite Size Bio and hosted by me, Petro Tool from the University of York. I'll bring you closer to the big names and the rising stars of flow cytometry and get to know the leaders and those rising stars outside of the lab and more personally. Grad school was a struggle for me, mostly because I wasn't sure what I was doing. I have, I don't know, 150 different spices, 130 cookbooks, So many kitchen gadgets. My kitchen is like a lab. What we do, we do it out of love for what we do. And that's a very different motivation and I don't know that that's something you can teach. All this and more in Season 4 of Flow Stars. Really hope you enjoy them. Ago, but still seeking valuable insights to advance your research well look no further than listen in the podcast from bite Size bio that offers the benefits of webinars in a portable format with webinars featuring leading researchers and commercial specialists discussing techniques like CRISPR-Cas9 and microscopy With ListenIn, you can tap into their expertise and drive your research project forward efficiently and productively, no matter where you are. Visit bitesizebio.com forward slash podcasts or search for ListenIn in your podcast app to subscribe.